It's Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go. Cofield and Company on a Monday. Armageddon, chaos, hustle before the show. It's all happening. Big week on the way. We'll be back out at the NBA Summer League on Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. We've got JVT out there today, so he'll be calling in in the middle of the show. And some other special guests. We want to cover what was a very entertaining UFC fight week right here in Las Vegas. Damon is in. Willie will be here in just a couple of minutes. Lots of good stuff on the way. It's Cofield and Company here on this Monday. And uh, the vast guest booking crew is actually efforting. Damon and others are working on, can we pull this off? Getting someone who's on the field. We'll see if we have the connections. Someone who's on the field at the Home Run Derby in Seattle, which is where I'm going to start, actually, uh, before we get to the Aces in about 15 minutes. Wemby with a uh, nice bounce back. But we start with the Home Run Derby. And our interest in the Home Run Derby, just like everything in baseball, I really used to like watching it, and I don't want to blame one person on the demise for me. Uh, but I will. It's Chris Berman. Um, I couldn't take the calls anymore with the back, 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 back. And it's a lot of open time to fill. Um, it's entertaining if you can stick with it. And it does feature some of the young guns in the game. Uh, they've got a weird matchup because of home run totals and the seeding where they have two of the best guys in the contest going head-to-head in the first round. And Julio Rodriguez, young star, of course, should be featured with the game being in Seattle. He's going against P. Alonso, who... You know, it's funny with Pete Alonzo. Sometimes you never know who you're talking to on these shows and how big a star they can turn into. You know, if I go way, way back in the day doing Sports Fan Radio Network, which is where our good buddy JT the Brick, our uh, best host here at Lotus Broadcasting, uh, was doing radio at SFRN. You know who was a regular all the time on our college football shows? And, like, Purdue loved putting him on was Drew Brees. And then Drew Brees turned into a megastar. I never thought that Drew Brees was going to be, you know, one of the all-time great quarterbacks and amongst the top five from a a numbers standpoint. So you never know, Damon. You never know who could be a future star. And we had a chance to talk to Pete Alonzo over at Cashman when the 51s were over there. And I'm like, yeah, you know, pretty good prospect, kind of a, you know, a dumpily built um, college baseball player who had been moving his way through the minors hitting like 250, clearly had power, and then he hits to the majors, and you're like, wait a second, all of a sudden he's like 35, 40, 45 home runs? Like, what the hell? Was this the same time Tim Tebow was there? Were you just chasing Tebow when giving the real prospect the time of day? You know what's funny is we may have asked – I have to look at the, uh, the timeline because I could be way off here. We may have asked Alonzo about Tebow, and I'm sure he was like, <laughs> I'll do this for S's and giggles, but – this is absurd. Like, I'm the real prospect. His, he and his agent were already kind of – they were crowing when he was in AAA about getting him up to the bigs a little faster. They thought the Mets were kind of slow playing it. So, when they brought him up, he's turned into a beast, and he's, what, a two-time winner of – that's three. Two-time winner <laughs> – I got all screwed up with my hands. Uh, two-time winner of the home run derby going for a third win tonight, and he is – the favorite. Are you a home run derby fan? I am. When you made that comment about Berman, you didn't like the back, 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 back. I, I love it all. A man, like, yeah. 
I'm my guy is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. because I remember watching his dad. That this it's just the nostalgia in me of I remember watching Senior like and he was I was like, Man, that dude's a beast in the home run derby. So I wanna just see if Junior can do it. If you had the opportunity to shag flies at the home run derby, would you take it? Didn't I tell my baseball history last week? Yeah, in the face you, of the family softball game. You don't have no much. way. You don't have much, yeah. Well, I spun that into that my younger brother turned into uh, kind of a basket case on the baseball field because he got hit a couple of times by pitch, and then that was it. He just couldn't stay in the box. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be terrified. So you'd be terrified. Could you – well, it doesn't matter. You don't even know if you could do it because you're terrified. You have yeah. no shot. My catch is just from me to you right now in the studio, that, that's as comfortable that's as I'm getting. I, I got to play – I played a lot of infield and baseball, a little bit of outfield. Then when softball came along in my early 20s, uh, I played outfield – and I swear to God, the last time I tried to shag a, a baseball, because I don't think people realize going from baseball to softball and back, the, the ball size, I, I, obvious, it's a smaller ball, but like, it's crazy how much of a difference it is. I know there's a lot of natural baseball players out there who can do everything, and they can still catch a fly ball. I don't know if I could. In a stadium like that with a crowd? And the other thing is I can't have those kids on the field because I will truck them. <laughs> I also don't think I could – like you just mentioned the distance of me like a soft toss to you. I don't know that I could range right or left more than the size of the studio, and it's, what, about 20 feet deep? And then I would just be off. Yeah. So I have no shot. But I'd love to try it. I'd love, like, six-month notice, and then I would tell myself, oh, I'm going to get in shape. And then six I would, months? And, oh, yeah. Oh, I'd have to. i got to get. I'd have to lose. In six months, I'd have to drop 50 pounds. And I'd have to be running every day. And I'd have to sprint. So it would be tough. It'd be very tough. So Home Run Derby's coming up. We'll join it in progress. And like I said, we'll try to get someone from on the field in Seattle before the Home Run Derby. And we'll go down all the odds. Uh, the whole thing starts off at 5 o'clock. Can't so Willie Ramirez is here. Damon is here. Summer League starts over the weekend. Uh-oh. Willie Wemby gets out to... A rough start, and it was on on social media. Just a rain of pain. And as I read it, and I'm sure you did the same, we've covered all these summer leagues over the years, and I always tell the story of watching, I think it was Chris Paul's first summer league game, and I was like, sucks. But it turned out he was injured. I'm like, this guy's not going to make a difference. And then Chris Paul goes on to be a great player. And there's there's been summer league superstars. I think it's the, the leading score. I have to look up the number. It was something crazy about the leading score in the last 11 summer leagues. Like, I don't even – like, they get into the league, but none of them have won a title. You know, none of them obviously have gone on to be unbelievable players. Uh, it's usually those fourth- and fifth-year guys or second-year guys who are trying to make their way. Don't overhype what goes on in the summer league. In the same way, don't overreact to Wemby good and bad. So he came out on Friday and just was not really good, Willie. And then the bounce back was good. But what you know, both ways. What does it really mean? It doesn't. Doesn't right. doesn't. I mean, I don't care how good you are, whether you came from overseas, whether you came from a top college, whether it doesn't. All that parts. All that's kind of irrelevant. Um, you're still a little shell shocked. You're still thinking about it, even if you show poise and maturity on the court. You're still sort of, you know, just you're thinking about it. There's a live crowd. You're wearing the NBA logo on your chest. You're, you know, you're wearing the pro team's name, you know. And and I know Wemby's the big topic, and he and and this is and this dude's a phenomenon, right? I mean, like I know Demond posted on his story and everything. Like, okay, this the hype. It's one thing you hear about the hype, but when you see it, right? It's 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 
it's kind of breathtaking. You're like, Jesus, right? Why is it breathtaking? Well, just because he's so... You, when just you, the, the sheer size? Yeah, yeah, when you hear about it and then see, yeah, seeing it is different. Yeah. You see it on TV, you see the difference when you're standing next to buddy, right? The, the video that went viral, the Britney video, and also you see his height. But when you see it in person, right. I didn't see it, but, but right. DeMond saw it. So, I mean, it's, you're like, holy moly, this dude's tall. Right. So I get it, he's the storyline, but I'll, I'll, I'll shift a little bit to Julian Strother. He came out in his debut, scored 15 points. Yesterday, he struggled, struggled. Right, and, and the Denver experts that I spoke to and some of the NBA scouts on opening night, they're like, yeah, and, and the coach, he's been brought in for his scarring, his shooting, what he's able to do. Well, he looked horrible. So, okay, what do we do? Oh, well, yeah, it was a waste. We shouldn't have drafted him 29th. Oh, let's wipe it out. Right, right. Send him to the G League. You know, come on. So, yeah, settle down. It's, it's not that serious. They will put in work and – Wemby will be just fine. And in a lot of ways, the league is for the second and third year players. You yeah. know, it's this is a developmental draft now. It's not the Major League Baseball draft, but it's a lot closer to the MLB draft than it is the <laughs> NFL draft. And a lot of the guys that are brought in are expected to be impact players and rotation players in years two, three, and four. Not many are expected to walk right into the league. Now, when you're a number one pick and you're called the best prospect since LeBron, there's an expectation that Wemby is going to be pretty good. But if you look across the league, the guys who are really wowing – you know, I was watching the uh, Laker game a little bit on Friday night, and uh, Rob Polinka was on, and uh, the announcers were saying, hey, this summer league deal for the Lakers is a lot about Max Christie. And we had one of the Cam brothers on, Kamenetsky brothers, and he said the same thing, that, hey, you know, Max Christie was a draft pick a couple years ago. They need him to be in the point guard rotation, the two-guard rotation. So this is supposed to be a breakout summer league, and he was kicking booty. And it's for Strother, even though Julian's older, I mean, in his case, look at the team he's going to. And they are gonna they need some depth players. But, hey, if he's not ready, he's not ready. But this is the first taste of it, and don't freak out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and I don't know if you saw the game yesterday. He took a shot to the head, diving for the ball in just his second game, showing a little grit. Um, first thing I actually thought of was his, his father used to tell a story about playing for legendary high school coach Bill Bobeer, where he'd stand on one corner of the baseline and throw the ball caddy corner to the other, and you'd have to race down and dive on it. And you couldn't get out. You couldn't leave practice, so you had court burns because hmm. they talk. So I thought of that as Julian dives for ball, bounced his head off of the court. Um, I happened to go hiking this morning with somebody from Spokane. I saw that. I saw two and, people with you. Yeah, some guys from up in Spokane. That Is that covered, Kalua in there too? Yeah, Kalua went. Okay, good of course, there. he led the charge. Um, and he said that when he interviewed him after the game, he had a nice knot. On his head, so really, you know. So I mean, he's shown his it, in other. It's it, it's always not just about scoring. Could be other other ways of showing your grit and determination, your work ethic. Actually, I think they'll all be just fine. I thought about that a bunch as you watch, and this is the recurring theme for me, and it should be for others. When you watch the summer league games, I often wonder the guys who are trying to fight their way into the league, the second, the third, the uh, you know, the fourth year guys. How many of them can get it through their noggin that they're really looking for overall contributors? And you go and hero ball and one-on-one and taking bombs from 30? Like, I don't think that's what they want. Like, I think everyone has this goal of scoring. Like, that's going to open eyes. Eh, I think it's a, The basketball scouts and the coaches and the personnel people within an organization know the game. They know their team. They know what they need. In all likelihood, you're probably going to be a practice player. Boy, I'm going to sound old here. Play the game the right way! Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. 
Vegas Summer League. Home Run Derby going on today. We're in between games with the Aces. Camp opening up for the Raiders in a little over two weeks. UNLV football is on the way in early August. So jam-packed week, Willie. Jam-packed week. We'll be out at the Vegas Summer League uh, for three shows. And we're also going to check in with John Von Tobel, who's on the scene today working with not only us, but also VEASAN. I saw the big set. Uh... I mentioned the Aces. Interesting weekend. The 39-1 and is dead. 38-2 uh, and two is still possible. We never made a bet last week, which I still think you should have taken the 35 and you win on the push, but we didn't solidify that one, so we might have to reset the number, and I can try to coach you into betting it again. Dallas. Hmm. A little bit of a pain in the ass. And then, of course, yesterday, Kelsey Plum goes for 40 and a win over many. But, uh, you know, you've called this all season. You said, hey – there's going to be ups and downs. They're not going to freaking go 39-1. and one. Right. Uh, Teams are going to adjust. A, a lot of other thing. teams are getting better. Yeah. Adam said the same thing. that you know they're Adam not, Hill or Adam Candy? Adam Hill. Okay. Um, I don't, I'm sure Adam may have, Candy may have also said. I don't know. But Adam Hill did say, you know, there's going to be ups and downs. Adam just wants to go right to the playoffs because he feels they're, they're, they're a shoe-in. Well, he said the rest of the regular season is going to be boring because they're so good. Right. Um, the thing is, a lot of people were marveling over Dallas's win. Dallas was up by 10 in Las Vegas. They're a good basketball team. They're the number two team in the Western Conference. Um, the thing that you have to start worrying about is the wear and tear on the bodies of the Aces. The All-Star break couldn't have come at a better time. Candace Parker with her ankle sat out yesterday. Or, uh, yeah. Um, we saw Jackie Young a little bit hobbled in one of the games, but then she came back in. Um, they have been real, and I don't want to put this out, like, as they say, put it out into the universe, and I don't want to be the one to say it, but they've been really blessed in not losing any key personnel. Now, Candace Parker is a key personnel just because of who she is, but on this roster, they can afford if Candace needs to load manage. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, they, have the, they have the reserves. They have the talent. They lose Asia, Kelsey, or Chelsea for any given amount of time, or Jackie, you know, I think they might be able to compensate a little bit for Jackie, although Jackie's been on a tear. Um, it'll be tough. It'll be tough to compensate. Um, tomorrow will be an interesting game only because Phoenix is getting healthy. They challenged New York in New York the other day, lost, close one. New York was laying double digits. Um, Brittany Griner, her return to Las Vegas for the first time, and then, of course, she'll be here for All-Star Weekend. So, what do you think the greeting will be like? Like, if I went to, if I go to the game tomorrow as a fan and I'm pretty close to the court and I'm just screaming and yelling and booing the whole time, how do you think Vegas fans will treat me? I, I don't. Will they be protective of Brittany Griner? I think there will. Oh, I think there'll be more Brit BG lovers only because the fans that. The fans that are coming out to Las Vegas or to the Aces games are they're yes they're they're diehard Aces fans at this point because they're the defending champs yeah. but they're WNBA fans they're women's basketball fans let's not forget that the foundation laid before the fascination of selling out the MUA was women's basketball fans right right so the five six thousand they were getting the first couple of years when Lambeer was the coach they were women's basketball fanatics now you have Aces fans um, so they're going to show her her respect. Any booing that you hear during the game is not going to be because of BG and her situation. Well, I'm sorry, I'm giving it's, you I'm giving you a scenario. I know I, I get that. Damon uh, and I are you, you free tomorrow night? 
Yeah. We can go as fans, and we will boo the entire time to see what the reaction is. Okay. So let me finish. That's a test case. The, the people in general that will be booing during the game were, are likely going to be booing the Mercury. But there will be, I would imagine, there will be fans that are going to be on a certain side as you political oh, there people were, would call oh, it. Oh, there were sides, yeah, no yeah, doubt. Yeah, the, the, there, were, there were sides. There'll and, be some haters. For and that. amongst my ilk, uh, the old white, uh, a lot of haters. Yeah. A lot. Of, I get comments all the time from casual fans who are like, oh, Griner, huh? Guess you like America now, don't you? Now, I don't have a problem with Brittany Griner, well, so, that, that so I'm, not, I'm not going to boo, uh, but it would be real interesting if there's a pocket of people who are, you know, you're anti-American. Boo! Well, you know why it's resurfaced. Why now? Because Brittany Griner, when she finally spoke out about the incident in Dallas, the airport incident. Oh, that's right. She finally spoke about it, and she and she said the WNBA has to do a better job. Blah 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 blah. And all these people are like, she's so entitled. She should be lucky. What do you mean? She's so worried about walking through an airport. Just remember where she was six months ago. Let's not forget where she was eight months ago. Let's not forget about the... And they were battering her for just making a comment saying that the WNBA has to do a better job in in security for the league. She didn't say for her. She said for the the players. And she's right. They're professional basketball players. They should not have to walk through an airport for commercial airlines. Yep. So she's spot on. She's not making it seem like they're entitled and she should be thankful. No. WNBA, there there should be better security. Well, you know the way it is. People are not going to forget with Brittany Griner. And I think a lot of them disliked her before that. Before she had her issue with who I thought was her enemy, but apparently there's a lot of Russian lovers now. It's a weird deal. Times are changing. So I would expect a couple of boos, but I, as I suggested four minutes ago, I think the women's basketball crowd will be protective of her because they know the story. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing her and talking to her because as you and I have talked in the past while she was in Russia being detained, I, I said there, hasn't, there was never a time when she came here that she didn't give me a second after her shoot around. She'd sit down, she, media availability or not. She mm. always was cordial. And I'll never forget when All-Star Weekend was here, I think in 19, and I asked her if she would dunk so I could just throw a video out. And she went ahead and just put it home. I mean, she, she obliged. You know what I mean? She's, she's always been cool with me as far as, you know, I don't know about any other media, why people would bash, you know, but she was always cordial. I don't know. I think you're suggesting other media members with uh, around the Aces don't like her, but um, that's something we can talk about down the road. I guess we have to get that confirmed. I don't know the timeline of the uh, NBA 2K24 deal with the special edition for the WNBA because Damon and I were talking about it last week and the fact that Asia Wilson did not get the cover and uh, uh, what, UNESCO got it from the Liberty, which to me is really weird, but I guess they're trying to push different people. Kelsey Plum noticed this, right? Yeah. Did Kelsey Plum yep. say something, Damon? Yeah, she was like, um, we noticed that too. And then also, like, she was snubbed for the cover. Even her teammates, Asia Wilson's teammates, are coming out and saying she was snubbed for the cover. I mean, so when the players in the league are saying it, I know it's her teammate, but it's, it's, it's something. Extra well, motivation? What do you think? Is it real? Well, for context, what, what, and what Damon's referring to, there was a tweet that the ESPNW put out. It said, MVP, champ, SB winner. Asia Wilson is the 2023 SB's winner for best WNBA player. Kelsey quoted that tweet and said, easy decision. And so was the 2K cover. Right. That she didn't get. That she didn't get. Yeah. Now, here's, I'm not defending 2K and, and the game because Kelsey's right. And we've been saying it. I said it last year during the WNBA semifinals when you had 
arguably the best player in the league going up against arguably the up-and-coming best player, easily the two faces of the league being Brianna Stewart with the, with, then with the Storm and Asia Wilson. Asia Wilson, I think, at this point has surpassed it from her stance on things, her voice for the league, um, and, and her stature in the league. Right. The only thing I can think of is that, hey, we know who Asia is. We know who Brie is. Let's, let's, let's get Sabrina out there. So that's the only thing I can think of if they're rationale mm. because everybody already knows. But the thing is, who doesn't know who Sabrina Ionesco is? So 100% agree with DeMond. I agree with Kelsey. The cover should be Asia Wilson. Right. She's the face of this league. And for the next two years, guaranteed, she will not be on the cover. She bet. won't. She has no shot. It depends on who wins the national title this year. I mean, from a marketability standpoint, it should be Angel Reese, whether she wins the title this year or not. But it's going to be her or Caitlin Clark with Haley Van Lith. You know, bringing up the rear, depending on what uh, she does. One of, the, one of them is going to be on the cover. I don't and know. it'll be back-to-back back years. Really? Oh, yeah. Okay. Angel Reese, is the big, Angel Reese going into the WNBA next year will be the biggest star in the league. Right? Right? No. She what? Will, she'll, she'll, be, she'll, she'll be the most intriguing name. She's not going to be the biggest star. You're she's wrong. Making, she's going to make seven times an NIL what the highest paid player makes now. He didn't right. say imagine best player. She, imagine when she gets the WNBA. How big she's going to be. He didn't say best player. I didn't say best player. Yeah. Most, no, I know most what he said. Biggest no, name in the league. Biggest name in the league. And Caitlin Clark has a chance too. If she, I mean, if she goes and if she freaking shoots can we know, change, 50% can percent from three and has averages like forty-two points a game, forget can we about change it. biggest name to biggest storyline? Uh, no, because it's, I think it's that means what you're saying. She's based, the face of the league. Yes, because if she's the biggest name, you're saying next year Angel Reese is the face of the league. Uh, before the, if you at the right after the. National championship game next year for women's basketball. If you really did an accurate poll with casuals, she would win as the most famous women's basketball player. You think so? Yes. Okay. That's how big she is. I'm not. I mean, that's. I'm not going to argue with that's your opinion. Yeah. But I just. I think. Think, the, I think the marketing arm, the power of college basketball, and all these deals she has, is going to give her exposure that a lot of WNBA athletes don't get right now. Let me pose this to Demond. Since he'll appreciate this terminology, oh. given what she did in the championship game, and that sort of female bravado she brings, can we have a a heel? Can she be the heel? That a fun heel? I don't think she's a heel. I think that she's just a star. She was in a video with Lotto and Cardi B. I don't think she's a heel either. I love I I'm, love the persona, oh, but what I'm saying is the portrayal. With with the ring and the fit and the John Cena, she can ride that to be the. There's going to be a lot of people who are like, we don't need that in this league. Ride that persona, ride that bravado who, into the who, league. Who are the people? Yeah, who they, are saying we don't need this in the league. Nobody yet. Don't even listen to them. They yeah, need anybody saying that. They need That's a what bad. I'm saying. They need a bad guy. So we need the heel. Yeah, I don't she, think that she's a bad guy. I don't think that she has the heel persona. I mentioned she was in a video with Cardi B oh, yeah. and Lotto. Yeah, I mean that's not heel. That's two of the biggest females in hip-hop right now, and she was in the music video. Well, if we're now pitting Angel Reese versus Asia Wilson as the biggest name in the league, that it's, it's going to create a little bit of it, – that, that'll create a little bit of rivalry for, for a popularity standpoint. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. 
Busy weekend for uh, Las Vegas when it comes to the sports scene. Willie was out covering Power Slap 3. It's Damon, it's Cofield, it's Willie. Uh, you know, I was very much looking forward to the event. We had a good spirited debate on Friday about what Dana White was really promoting most heavily, mm-hmm. and it seemed to be Power Slap 3 all last week. So we're going to talk to Ryan McKinnell, who is one of the combat sports experts on Sirius XM that's coming up in less than 10 minutes. Uh, watch Power Slap. Watch a lot of the video recaps. I just was watching your video recap again of the main event. It looked like a really cool event. Um, mix of fights, though, because Wolverine beats Hintz for the light heavyweight championship. And I thought Hintz, like, just could not get on target. And I thought a lot of the fighters were off target. There were, like, a lot of missed slaps. Like, what the hell was going on? Did they change the rules? Is the pedestal higher? Well, was like, the footing different? What was going on? It's not that that was different. I think that... It's now in your head with the fouls that we've seen in Power Slap 1 and 2. They're now thinking more and more about what they're doing rather than just doing it. So they're concentrating on keeping their feet planted, not, you know, not uh, cupping, making sure it's flush. Um, one of the questions that Dana was posed at the post-card um, press conference was of if he thinks that they should change the rules for beards because they felt like uh, – the one guy, uh, Unko, who fought, who who uh, slapped against uh, the crazy Hawaiian Koa Viernes, and AJ, who slapped against Wolverine. If you saw on AJ's last two, he actually reaches up and he tugs on Wolverine's beard to kind of dig in and see where the where's, cheekbone where's was. Faces, yeah. And then when he slaps it, he he really didn't look like the guy who won nope. in Power Slap One. Nope. He looked off. He looked like he didn't have his power. I'm seeing a lot of comments on TikTok, on my TikTok, about, you know, oh, he's declined since Power Slap 1. And, and they're really riding AJ because they, they think, oh, he's already lost it. But Dana actually agreed with the reporter that asked, yeah. should they force him to cut their beard, those big, fluffy, yeah. long beards? And Dana's first coming, he was like, well, I think if, if you watched when they slow-mo hit the production of this, you see a lot of red hair flying. He was smacking hair out of Wolverine's, yeah. out of his face. Can't see his face. But he agrees. He goes, but I do agree. That is something that need, they need to take into consideration. You want to keep the beard, then you got to braid it. Not Maybe not braid it, but like at least twist it up in a rubber band. I can't see your face. Yeah. And then the fights suck. Yeah. They didn't all suck. But I'm saying there were a couple I watched, and I'm like, why are they not hitting their face flush with this power slap? Right. Are and these I, guys this uncoordinated, this inaccurate? It can't be that bad. Well, and- for uh, Micah Unko, he he actually connected on uh, Koa, the crazy Hawaiian. Um, that's his nickname, by the way. I'm not calling him crazy. Uh, he actually connected a couple times on him. And the Hawaiian hitman, Koa's brother, was sitting dead smack in front of me and kept turning around to make sure he wasn't getting in my view. And it was hilarious because I told you this story after Power Stop 1, how they come up and they're very just... Yeah, quiet, quiet meek guys. Key. Yeah. Yep. So he's like, Polite. hey, brother, you okay? You see, right? Okay, brother, I'm not in your view, right? So I even jokingly put something on my story going, now listen, I'm trying to film, so don't get in my way and don't, Ooh, turn, around and, don't turn around and slap me if I move you. <laughs> and he started laughing. He goes, no, no, brother, you good. I don't want to get in your way. But the, they're th- really cool guys. I think the most intimidating guy on the show in this last one was this dude, Russell Rivera, who's from the original show. Man, his delivery and his seriousness, and it looked like he delivered one of the best knockouts. Did he? Who did he fight? Uh, Bear Bennett, right? He faced Bear Bennett, 
and finished them with a round two knockout that looked awesome. So that was a good finish. Anything else that really stood out? I'm trying to think, you know, because their nicknames are the ones that stood out. And um, there was the guy who he just never stopped screaming and yelling. Is that who – it was it on the main card you're talking about or the uh, the undercard? Rivera was the first fight. Oh, the very first. No. Oh, that's the guy that uh, – from the preliminary round. Yeah. That's the guy that actually beat AJ in right. Power Slap 2 but lost on a technicality. Right. Um, I mean, he's got massive power, and he's one of those guys – Almost all of them had to cut weight because they were kind of fat asses and fighting way too high. Rivera, no, I mean Rivera is one of this guy, one of these guys who he he is jacked and he's intimidating and he ain't like he's big for the weight. He's not like unnaturally fatty. I guess that would be naturally fatty. He's a muscled up dude. Uh, time to qualify someone for a great giveaway. Three six four eleven hundred three six four one one zero zero. Caller number seven, you will qualify to win four tickets for an Aviators game, and then the. Uh, Granddaddy, this week, our Lotus Summer of Fun, we're giving away a trip every week. So this week's trip, you qualify for a chance to win this, is a five-day houseboat rental on Lake Powell, plus a $1,000 gift card for gas and food, or you can just take the $3,000 cash. It's our Take the Trip or Take the Cash. It's the Lotus Summer of Fun. Caller 7 qualifies for both of the giveaways, 364 1100 it's Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. Whoa. Wow. I didn't expect that one. News just in uh, about a minute ago. Northwestern, that hazing situation with the football program. Pat Fitzgerald, former player, fired. We'll delve into that a little later in the show. We'll also get to the MLB All-Star Weekend. Uh, one of our big listeners, P1, always comments, Rhino, I think made a comment a couple minutes ago about there's no way Power Slap is bigger than the MLB All-Star Weekend uh, on TikTok, which is my only source of sports information anymore. It is. <laughs> I'm kidding. We'll get to it. Everything is uh, timed out here. We'll get to it at some point, 4 o'clock hours, when we talk about the Home Run Derby. And the All-Star Game. Ryan McKinnell is with us. We know that UFC is immensely popular. Big weekend just passed. You guys had a bunch of people on the ground here, Ryan, with uh, SiriusXM. So uh, how was the on-air stuff you did and then the uh, friendship stuff you did? Sounds like you guys hung out a bit. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was a great weekend. International oh. Fight Week, Steve. I mean, it was wild to think, right? Like, this thing started in 2009 at UFC 100. Uh, kind of like a grassroots sort of convention that would lead up to the big fight. Now we're 14 years later. Uh, we're at the Las Vegas Convention Center. Sirius XM was there all three days, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Multiple shows, did a pre-fight show uh, on Saturday. Just to see what, it, what it's grown into, not just for the sport of mixed martial arts, right, and the mm -hmm. business and the brand of the UFC, but for the city of Las Vegas, man. I mean, Summer League was here. Kevin Hart was here. Everyone was talking about the sphere, right? All this stuff was going on, and and in the midst of it all, really the 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 centerpiece of it all was the UFC. I mean, uh, the the imagery everywhere, the interest, the fans that came in. It, it is again, it is really wild to see Steve. Um, you know what it's become and what it's grown into. And, and as you know, I mean, we've we've watched it happen firsthand. Yep. 
Uh, this was a card that could have had John Jones on it, could have had Conor McGregor on it. So I think yep. for some people, when they looked at the card, they were like, eh, it's going to kind of be a letdown. But as happens often, cards that people will sweat a bit saying, hey, I'm just not into it, turn out to be just juggernauts. What was your favorite fight? What did you think was the big moment of UFC 290? Yeah, and, and you're absolutely right uh, about <laughs> what this could have been, and I think that was a little bit of it, the fact that we could have had Jones, we could have had McGregor, and it's International Fight Week, what people have uh, you know come accustomed to, but this obviously was anchored by one of the greatest fighters to ever live, Alexander Volkanovsky, the king of the featherweight division, but sitting right near the top of the pound-for-pound pound rankings. But even with uh, Volkanovsky, getting his showcase, even with a fantastic fight of the year candidate uh, between Brandon Moreno and Alexandre Pantoja. For me, I've been watching this sport for 30 years. I tuned in on the illegal satellite dish in 1993 because <laughs> I heard you could punch people in the groin and you get like, there were no rules, and there were elbows. I mean, I was a real, uh, you know, freak show curiosity for me 30 years ago. And, and, and to watch it firsthand and then obviously to cover it for the last 16 years, I'd be remiss if I, I wouldn't say that Robbie Lawler having his final fight, former UFC welterweight champion Robbie Lawler, pioneer Robbie Lawler, been in the game over 20 years, been fighting in the UFC for over 20 years, uh, having his final fight, getting inducted to the Hall of Fame for his fight with Roy McDonald on Thursday night, and then 48 hours later turns around uh, in the ABC prelim uh, uh, highlight, the main event of the ABC, the free portion of the card, the final fight of that free portion goes out there against Nico Price. That was it. That's the end of the spot. We're not. We're never going to find out if Robbie Lawler won. Now he won. Robbie Lawler won. Ryan McKinnell's with I don't us. Know this as well as I do. Hey, man, you don't get you don't get to say goodbye like Robbie Lawler did. And I don't know if there's a better ambassador for the sport or a better guy that could have went out like this. It it will be the lasting image for me but you know i'm an old gray beard ryan mckinnell not that old uh he works for sirius xm is always part of the company uh, he's up with us here on cofield and company on espn las vegas all right ryan i've got to ask you about it sincerely you're one of the biggest allies out there so what were your thoughts when Drickus Duplessis beats robert Whitaker, <laughs> the number two middleweight in the world and they bring in izzy they bring in the champ the face-off middleweight championship of the world this is the next match and Izzy just goes on the uh, inward tirade against Drickus Duplessis, the South African. Yeah, well, Dana White didn't seem to have a problem with it. <laughs> yeah, he said there was no, there's no Rachel undertones. Uh, is what he said. Uh, to us. Here's, I, I, here's I, the thing, Ryan. Those, Ryan, those real quick. The backstory. Go ahead, Ryan. There's a little bit of a back and forth between uh, Duplessis and Adesanya over social media over the last year or so, and it really centered around Duplessis saying that he was more African than than Adesanya was. Duplessis hailing from South Africa. Uh, Adesanya with uh, Nigerian heritage, but comes from New Zealand. And I, I mean, Adesanya, this he, Demond, this is what happens, man, when when you pull someone out of the crowd and you, you ask them to have mm -hmm. something to say. Adesanya was watching the Duplessis fight, an amazing fight. Drickus Duplessis goes out there and dispatches a Robert Whitaker, former champion, and and he does it in in stellar fashion. Something that really nobody does over Robert Whitaker, beat him better than Adesanya did. You know what I'm saying? So he went in there all hopped up. He went in there with a ton of adrenaline, and I'm sure some of that prior back and forth played into what Adesanya was trying to accomplish, but it just it didn't come off as, as 
fireworks. It didn't come off as promotional. It didn't come off as anything that would like build to any 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 really? interest to the fight. It just came off as an emotion. It, uh, it came off as emotional and honestly cringeworthy. Demond. It just didn't have. Okay. It didn't hit the mark that I think Adesanya was looking for. I didn't see a lot of people that really liked it. It was just. It was an emotional fighter. Uh, squared off with someone he doesn't really like, and and I think it's gonna, you know, set the table for when they eventually meet here later this year. And uh, I would expect. I mean, I, I don't think it's gonna be that cringy going forward, but clearly your emotions are high between those two. But to 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 answer your question, Demon, I, I I didn't love it, obviously. Oh, I I loved it. I'm with Steve. Come on. <laughs> I'm with are Steve. you insane? And then Dana White, I think. I don't, I don't know. Do they not teach about South Africa and apartheid at Bishop Gorman? Like, what? what's – are you serious? We've got a Nigerian <laughs> against a white South African, and the white is saying he's more African. My African yeah. brother wait, is how wait, we started. My wait, African yeah, brother. That's what it was. That's and a, he said, you're uh, no brother of mine, son. Yeah, oh, it was like a rap battle. I mean – Oh, that was the best part. Yes. When he said, but what, what a storyline. He just kept repeating the N-word okay, okay. over the, that, and that over part, and yeah. over again. It was like, oh, man. I get what he was trying to accomplish. See, that's that's where I think it got lost in translation. Right. People didn't know the backstory like, well enough to exactly what was happening in the moment there. I did, but it could, it still felt it still felt like it, it, it missed the mark, except for that line about you're no brother of mine. That was gangster. That was, that was probably what he was sitting there you know, thinking and steaming about like that was his one good punchline, and he absolutely hammered it home. Did you like the thirty-six in me when he said we can do the DNA test to prove who's more African? We're just doing now a breakdown of yeah. the war of words. Yeah, well, tw- it was great, but like twenty-three in me was probably really conflicted, conflicted about the publicity where they were getting there. Probably wanted to send a note that they was a little bit off the mark on that, but uh, no, clearly, I mean, it's obvious, right? That Adesanya does not like Drake's duplicity, and 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 again, that emotion. I don't see that tapering off by the time they eventually meet down in Sydney. You know what I mean? Like this is clearly one of the UFC's bigger rivalries, and we've only got a taste of it—a little bit on social media, and now a little bit inside the cage. And uh, I, (laughs) yeah, there's all the historical ramifications, and people are clearly, obviously, uh, taking sides. I saw a bunch of people saying like. Uh, on social media, how can you cheer for Adesanya? Like this guy's insufferable. It's like whoa, 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 whoa. I what? I they, <laughs> that didn't. I didn't understand that. Yes, that promo was cringy. But when you watch Israel Adesanya, the style bender, if you have a pair of eyes and a pair of ears and some you know actual blood running through your body, I don't see how you can't be interested, respect, and even like Israel Adesanya. So Willie was all over slap fighting. He covered that. I know you were big on the, the UFC and two ninety. Willie, did you have an issue with Dana White using power slap, backdrops um, all week long to promote, you know, power slap, and then even made the Jones Miosic Miosic announcement? Because a lot of the UFC guys are pissed off. A lot of the UFC media guys are pissed off that Dana should have been pushing 290. He's taking money out of the pockets of actual MMA fighters versus the slappers. The fact that DeMond sent over a story and said, is this the all-time card? And the fact that you guys are talking about Robbie Lawler's a great farewell and Ryan's talking about how fantastic and it couldn't have gone out, I think that UFC has the publicity, all the publicity it needs. I don't, think that it, I don't think that it lost. It lost the media luster and, oh, my God, they lost viewers. I agree. And they didn't get buyers yep. because he had the power slap background. Yep. If, if you think that that took away from UFC, you are a straight clown. 
the, the, because a lot it of doesn't. Company thought that. Mm. Well, it doesn't make sense. Well, how I can, absolutely thought it did. How, okay, go ahead, Ryan. Go ahead, Ryan. Yeah, no, I mean, we spent 30 years legitimizing mixed martial arts in the late 90s. John McCain ran a smear campaign against the sport, called it human cockfighting, had to take it off pay-per-view, spent years, decades rebuilding its legitimacy to get it back on television, to get it back on pay-per-view, to get it sanctioned in a state like New York. And now, over the last couple of years, uh, this sport of mixed martial arts, whether you or the specifically... Uh, the brand of the UFC is inexplicably linked to power slap. They had a power slap fight on before the weigh-ins on Friday. You look at Dana White's Instagram, half of his posts yep. are about power yep. slap. Woo. He's announcing John Jones and Stipe Miocic to the backdrop of power slap. They are becoming one in the same. Did it affect this weekend? No, we're talking about the long game. Go look at the comments on Dana White's Instagram. Find, scroll through the first 30, 40, 50 comments on a power slap post and see if you can find one positive reply. And it's not bots. It's a bunch of MMA fans being like, keep this out of my sport. Stop force feeding it down our throats. You look ridiculous and you're making the sport look ridiculous because it is so similar when you look at the original power slap that was on tbs they used ufc referees they used ufc former champions like yeah. forrest griffin as a body catcher as someone who catches the unconscious bodies of these quote-unquote athletes these bums because that's what it is it's glorified Ooh. bum fights falling in their laps and there's poor forrest griffin having to catch the bodies and you could tell it was written all over his face he didn't want to do it referee jason herzog he doesn't want to referee it they threw weigh-ins in the style of the ufc the show of power slap was filmed in the exact style of the ultimate fighter in the same building and sold story-wise presentation-wise like the ultimate fighter it's it's an absolute joke. It's a carny circus sideshow. <laughs> and the only reason we're having to hear about it is because now is Dana White is dug his feet in. And, and you know what? I, I you know what? I I I, I almost applaud it because I love the hard headedness. I love the determination that the whole world is going to be against this man and tell him it's trash and tell him it's not going to work. And he's digging in. He's saying, well, you're wrong. I know what's good. And, and watch this. I'm going to make it work. It's never going to work. He's dead wrong, but I admire the stubbornness. I like it. Ryan McKinnell looking at our clock because he knows our schedule, and he's like, I'm going to use up all of my debate time to shut out Willie Ramirez, who will now have to answer in the 4 o'clock hour. Ryan, you're awesome. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks Love for carving guys, out man. some time for us. And you guys did a great job on SiriusXM. When are you up next? And uh, tell people where they can find the channel. Uh, Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. I will be on Unlocking the Cage this Thursday and Friday, filling in for Jimmy Smith. It'll be six hours of MMA content. Our time, it'll be 11 to 2 on Thursday and Friday, and I'll be with my pal Andreas Hale. So we'll be uh, we'll be talking power slap, I'm sure. You better. Knows what other nonsense. You better. Or this we, was we, a great weekend yeah. for the UFC. Power slap or not, it was awesome to see what the sport has become uh, after all these years. Thanks, Ryan. What a what a horse's ass! I will address that on the other side. What, what that was a trip back down memory lane. That was embarrassing.